Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Strongly Connected Components, episode 40, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On today's episode, I am joined by Tanya Kovanova, research affiliate at MIT. We discuss mathematical olympiads the women in mathematics program and then we spend a little bit of time gossiping about numbers here we go Hello and welcome to Strongly Connected Components. My guest on today's episode is Tanya Kovanova, who is currently a visiting scholar and research affiliate at the Massachusetts Institute for Technology. Hello. Hello. The first thing that I was I was hoping to ask you about was uh, you you originally started doing mathematics in Russia, and you got your master's and your PhD from Moscow State University. And I, I was wondering, what sort of uh, difference do you see in the uh, kind of mathematical cultures of, of, say, Russia and the United States, where you've been for quite a few years now? Yes, I, I see so many differences. I'm stunned. Uh, it, it, it's amazing how many differences I see. Well, one of them is related to girls. I think in Russia, when I was studying mathematics, no one cares that I was a girl. And here, I, I work one of my part-time jobs. I coach high school students for math competitions. And for some strange reason, girls, the teachers recommend them to my group, and they refuse. And it was just shocking to me. I, I couldn't understand it. Like, I work in the school is Advanced Math and Sciences Academy, so they supposedly want to do mathematics and sciences, and they didn't want to go to my program. And boys, on the other hand, even when teachers do not recommend them, they want to go. So this is one of the things that I, I saw here. Well, another thing is... I think one of the approaches to competitions, tests, and education here is a multiple-choice test, which we didn't have back in Russia when I was growing up. And I think uh, with multiple-choice questions, they have the advantages and disadvantages. For example, when you have a multiple-choice, you kind of you have this option to try to guess. And instead of thinking, and I think I see it too much that just that when I talk to kids, they're just trying to guess, missing the whole point. So what do you mind if I give you a quick puzzle? Oh, yes, of course. So there is a puzzle. Three horses were galloping at 27 miles per hour. What was the speed of one horse? I I would say 27 miles per hour. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. What do you think some students say to me? I Well, I would assume that they would say 27 divided by 3 or 9 miles per hour. Yes, yes. That, that, that is my point. Uh, it just, 
I think as a result of this trying to get tests quick, uh, they're kind of trying very fast to answer the question without actually reading it properly. And they say nine miles per hour, right. So uh, I think this, this bothers me the most, that uh, kids are not trained to think. And when I coach them, I just sometimes I feel I have to retrain them. So instead of just trying to plug in numbers very fast, I want to train them to think. And this is a very big thing for me. What sort of things do you, do you think possibly, uh, especially, I'm, I'm going to go back to the first point about the uh, females in, in mathematics. What sort of thing do you think causes, causes that difference? I mean, what was it about, say, Russia and back then it would have been the USSR that made it so that women and, and girls were a lot more likely or a lot more willing to go after an, an active math or science career? Well, um, I didn't figure this out yet. So I, I didn't grow up as a girl in the United States, and I have two sons. So it's difficult for me to answer this question. Call me in several years, and I'll tell you. Okay, not, not a problem. <laughs> uh, I, I, look, I need to talk to girls more, trying to figure out what's going on. I, I do not know yet. Okay. No, no, really, I, I, was, I was hoping for an answer, but honestly, y- your, your answer is, I'm sure, completely the truth. I don't know if anyone really knows. It, one, another thing you talk about is that you, have, you do do training for advanced math competitions, and you've, you uh, are a good person to do that because you've won a couple of medals at the International Mathematical Olympiad. Now, for anyone who's listening, what exactly would, uh, say, these advanced competitions be like? So there are several levels of Olympiads. There are Olympiads on a region level, country level, and the most prestigious ones are International Math Olympiads. Every country sends a team. When I was there, it was a team of eight people, and I was on the Soviet team twice. So uh, presumably this is like the most difficult mathematical problems and this is the international level competition. It's like a sports Olympiad, but it's mathematics. So you do training. What sort of things do you do in order to bring these students up to a level where, where they would be able to compete in something like this? Well, American system has uh, different competitions. There is the, the first level called American Mathematical Competitions, then the next level, and the highest level is USMO, United States of American Math Olympiad. These competitions have different types of problems. So my model of teaching them is the following. Let me give you an example. Suppose you are learning about quadratic equations. So there is a formula. A teacher gives you a formula, and you can use the coefficients, plug in numbers very fast, and give the answer to how to solve the quadratic equation. So this is a very uh, unprofitable way to teach because the kids who just know the formula, they do not understand mathematics behind them. There is no, like, it's like investing your money without interest. So another way to teach quadratic equation is to explain how this formula was derived. This gives you an advantage. So you, if you forget the formula, you might derive it again yourself and use it again. Plus, you see some methods you might be able to use 
and um, use these methods on problems which are similar to quadratic equations. I do think there is a next step trying to teach children to derive formulas themselves. So they cannot derive every formula, but if they start inventing things themselves, I'm trying to train them to be able to invent ideas. And this is what's needed on high-level competitions. In addition, as a bonus, people who can invent their own ideas very fast, they become faster at low-level competitions. So this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to teach them to be inventive. What would you say the, uh, I mean, I, other, than, other than learning how to invent ideas and, and going through the training necessary to compete at these levels, what sort of uh, advantages did, say, you see come out of participating in the Olympiad system? Well, there are many advantages. One of the advantages, you become a member of a community. Like, you get introduced to other kids who like mathematics, so they can tell you, what uh, are the activities in summer are, like what are the, what's the best book to read. They support each other, they encourage each other. So like, the social aspect is very important. Plus, I think Olympiads gives an opportunity for every student in the country to try the same problem and see how they like it. Because like teachers are different. Some teachers are better than others, but... The problems that are given at the Olympiad are all the same. So if you like the problems, you might be able to discover some love of mathematics that your teacher didn't see. At the same time, I have to admit that math competitions have their drawbacks in the sense that during competition, um, the time for a problem is fixed. So at the low-level competitions, you have like three minutes per problem. So you usually kids, they immediately know what to do. At the highest level competition, you have three problems for four hours and a half. So you have one hour and a half per problem. But in real life, if you have some problem you need to think about, it could be mathematics, it could be something else, but usually the face is completely different. You like think about it, you go back, you wake up, you go think about it in the shower, you think about it while you drive and you solve it maybe in several months. I think the disadvantage of Olympiads is that people are used to getting rewards very fast. So you solve your problem, you're happy, but in real life, sometimes solving the problem takes much longer, and people who are used to solving problems very fast, they get discouraged after two days. Well, this is actually one of my other jobs. I do two jobs that I do... Uh, coordinate mathematical research with high school children. So my biggest task is to explain to these kids that research in mathematics are not Olympiads, that the biggest difference is pace. If you do not know what to do in an hour, it doesn't mean anything because you're given a problem, you're given like several months to solve a problem, not... 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, and that would be the uh, work at the Research Science Institute and the Program for Research in Math, Engineering, and Science, correct? Yes, yes. My uh, other two jobs, I coordinate research in mathematics with high school students. I was wondering, I mean, both these things are, are work that you do with, with lower level students. What uh, ended up intriguing you so much with working with say, high school students instead of working with graduate student who spent the last 
seven years of his life getting really nice and in-depth in a specific topic? Well, um, I was hired to do this. But the reason I was hired is, I think, uh, was my blog. So I, I have a blog about recreational mathematics, and half of it is my own research in recreational mathematics. So I kind of research problems that do not require any advanced mathematics. And I have so many problems. I start writing about it, and then I finish my essay, and then I got interested in something else, and there are some questions left over in the previous essay. As a result, I have many projects in my mind that I would like to see completed, and I don't have time to complete them myself. So one of the things I do, I, I can suggest projects. And because I, I know so many different things on a high school level, it's easier for me to supervise because I kind of can suggest ideas and things like that. So I'm uh, just popping into the middle of the interview here because I want to remind all of you that Acme Science is currently running a Kickstarter project called Relatively Prime. What we're trying to do is raise enough money so that I can spend the next year or so producing a series of eight in-depth podcasts that are all about telling the stories behind mathematics. Now, it's been going pretty well so far. We have 42 backers, and they have pledged a total of $2,262, and there's 43 days left to go to reach our minimum goal of $8,000. But in order to get there, I really need your help. This, this is a very important project to me, and I think it could be an amazing thing to have out there. And so I want all of you to please head on over to Kickstarter and search Relatively Prime and please give me some money. Even if it's $1, $5, anything really helps. And then I also want you to please tweet about it, blog about it, put something up on Facebook, go to Reddit, submit it to Boing Boing or Slashdot or Dig. Just anything to really help spread the word about this project would do it a load of good and would really mean a lot to me and to the acmescience.com community and organization. So that's Kickstarter and search for Relatively Prime, or you can head there directly, http colon slash slash bit.ly slash r-e-l-p-r-i-m-e. And I hope to see your name on the backers list soon. Okay, now let's get back to this interview. One of the other things that you are involved in right now is that you're one of the uh, organizers for the Women and Mathematics program at the Institute for Advanced Study. Now, I, I have heard rumblings of this program, but I'm not entirely sure what, what the program is itself. Could you perhaps explain that? The program was started by Karen Ullenbach. And uh, if I understand it correctly, she noticed that many girls who do mathematics, who are undergraduate students or graduate students, they do not apply for conferences and summer programs. And when she started asking them why you do not apply, they told her that they didn't feel qualified, which is not true, plus it's, a, it's a, like flawed reasoning. Like you apply and 
uh, organizers will decide if you are qualified. So she started the program sort of to persuade these girls to apply to other summer programs. But the program became so successful, and we're not only trying to support women, but like we do a lot of mathematics. The program lasts for two weeks. Girls come there, and they study a lot of mathematics. They have, we have several mathematical courses, several seminars, and some, a little bit of discussion about gender issues. But the goal of the program is to collect women together at different levels, undergraduate, graduates, postdocs, senior women, and for them like to have an opportunity to see that some issues they have, there are some other girls that, who have the same issues, so they can discuss that. Plus, maybe some of them maybe were uncomfortable to ask their supervisor some questions, but when you live for two weeks very close to other girls, maybe it would become easier to ask for advice uh, and to discuss some problems that are related to gender. So I think the program uh, is very gives a lot of mathematics, but in addition to this, gives a lot of opportunity for girls to meet each other, to find a support group, and to see that they are not alone. So the funny part is, I lived in Princeton for seven years. I heard about this program, and I never visited it, because I kind of, I grew up in Russia, and I said, I felt that mathematics should be genderless. Why would I go to women's program? It was just, I don't know, I just felt strange about it. But then, when I was hired to help organize it, and I went there, uh, my first reaction was, it's such a pity that I never had a program like this when I was young. So when I was young back in Russia, though I didn't see that, the problems I had were the same as these girls had. Like, I was scared of my advisor. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I felt that I'm such a bad mathematician, I should stop doing it. So many things that happened to me, I saw... Uh, these girls discussing, and I felt that if I had this program back in Russia, I would have been a more successful mathematician. So now I see how much this program gives these girls, like in terms of support, in terms of mathematics. And actually, it gave to me, after I started organizing the program, it became easier for me to do mathematics. And it helped me to feel better about myself. One of the areas of your website that is very interesting to me is you have a primer on how to create a new integer sequence. And I was I was kind of wondering what what made you decide to to create this list of of instructions and tips uh, for people who might be interested in say inventing a their own sequence of integers. Well, um, that's a very personal question for me. The, the reason is, like, I started as a mathematician. I got my PhD uh, in Moscow State University. Then I had I married um, several times. I had two children. Somehow, at some point, I was in the United States, and I had to quit mathematics for personal reasons. I stopped looking for a professorship job and went for industry. And I was single with two children and kind of decided that I need to support my family and forgot about mathematics for some time. But you never forget it. I mean, I love mathematics. You always 
coming back. So what happens to me, there is this amazing resource called Encyclopedia, Online Encyclopedia of Integer Sequences, where you can submit a sequence, or you can, like if you find a mistake in a, another person's sequence, you can correct the mistake, and you will be the author of, of, author of the sequence you submit. So this is sort of like one-fifth of the paper, mathematical paper. It's, it's for me, at some point, I realized that I want to do... I want to do mathematics again, and I was working very hard. I had two children. I didn't have time. But for me, it was how I started coming back. I started working on my sequences. And because it's uh, a sequence is not a paper, as I said, like in one hour, you can invent a sequence and polish it and submit. So uh, it's much easier to do when you're busy than to write a paper. So I started submitting some some sequences, and for me, it's like it's the way I started coming back to mathematics. So I wrote this paper as part of this process. I was trying to understand how to invent new sequences to submit and how people do that. And the most interesting question for me how to invent an interesting sequence, because the number of sequences you can invent in infinite. You can invent any sequence you want, and it will be just your sequence. But in the encyclopedia, you shouldn't submit any strange sequence. You only should submit sequences that are useful or interesting, or there is some kind of reason to submit. So if you read this article, like I was, I was trying to discuss how to see which sequences are more interesting than other sequences. Speaking of numbers as well, you are the mind behind something that ate up easily 100 hours of my life within the past year. And it's also how I know that this is the abundant composite even evil practical episode. Uh, <laughs> because uh, this is the 40th episode. And that is the site number gossip, which honestly has to be one of my favorite things about the internet. And I was, and this is a, a site that can tell you about the properties of, say, a number, say, the number 40, which I just read off a list. Oh, and also it's the only number whose constituent letters appear in alphabetical order. And, and I was wondering, I, what, what really spurred you on to create, or, or where did the idea itself just come from? Because it's really great. <laughs> I don't remember. I started this website like 15 years ago, and I I, I, I don't know. So I just, I, I like the numbers, and there are some funny properties, like lazy caterers, evil numbers and stuff, and I collected important names and funny names, and I started this website, and then I continued collect, uh, collecting unique properties of numbers. I don't remember. Like, it's been... <laughs> For so long, yes. Well, it, it, is, it is an absolutely wonderful site. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I, I think that, that those are all the questions that I have for you today. Uh, I, I, I do uh, should tell you that many people thank me for this website. And it's a good resource when you're coming to a birthday party and you do not know what to give. You plug in how many years the person... <laughs> Uh, will have and see if there is something something interesting and you can use it in your poem or like in your postcard or something. Well, I I will keep that in mind next time I have to give a birthday present because I'm really bad at those. 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I use it myself and congratulate people on being prime or round or square or evil <laughs> or any of these properties. Well, I thank you so much for agreeing to be on Strongly Connected Components. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. And that is it for this episode of Strongly Connected Components. I want to thank you all very much for listening. Now, if you want to perhaps suggest a guest or you want to leave any feedback about this show or any of our other shows, send me an email, samuel at acmescience.com. And also head on over to acmescience.com. Look at the blog post for this episode where you can find more links to the things that were discussed. Or you can check out any of our other shows, such as Sam and Dan and, or Combinations and Permutations. That's acmescience.com. The music on today's episode was from Hard and Firm and SP12, who you can find over at opsound.org. And this podcast is, as always, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. So please feel free to go figure out what that actually means. Thank you all for listening. It means a lot, and I hope you also all go to Kickstarter and check out the AcmeScience.com project, Relatively Prime. I really need you to support that because it would mean so, so much. And I hope that you come back for the very next episode of Strongly Connected Components. <laughs>